Welcome to Purpose 360. I'm Carol Cohn. And I'm Chris Noble. And we're on a journey to explore the brightest and most innovative minds and initiatives in social purpose. Today, companies and brands must stand for something meaningful. They have to have a social purpose and bring that purpose forward to their employees, their customers, and their community. Each episode, we're talking to leaders at Fortune 100 companies, global brands, social enterprise startups, NGOs, and everything in between. We'll be taking a deep dive to learn how they are integrating purpose into their organizations. To benefit both business and society for enduring impact. Join us. I got somebody I want y'all to meet. He's a real leader. And he's gonna help us turn this thing around in the second half. Aflac. Aflac. Aflac, Aflac. Aflac, Aflac. Aflac! That's what I'm talking about! Aflac. Aflac. You feel me? Yeah! Bring it in! If you get sick or injured, we do everything we can to help you get back in the game. Welcome to Purpose 360. I'm Carol Cohn, and today we have a wonderful guest with us, Catherine Blades from AFLAC. She's Senior Vice President and Chief ESG and Communications Officer, and uh, we've been working together for a number of years, and it's just a delight to have you on the show. So welcome, Catherine. Thank you so much, Carol. I'm delighted to be here. And we're delighted to have you because um, AFLAC has a deep and long-term and highly business-oriented approach to its CSR. And it balances both its business impact and its social impact. And that's why we're thrilled to have Catherine on the show today. I always like to start with the numbers. So um, I think some of these will surprise some of our listeners because Aflac is a very large company. Their market cap is $36 billion. And the brand portion of that is $20 billion. So brand is very important and reputation is very important. The company insures over 50 million people in the United States and Japan. They sell via 21,033 independent agents. They have over 10,000 employees. Their workforce, and this is very impressive, is over 60% female and almost 50% minority. Equally impressive is the company's long-term, over 23-year commitment uh, to pediatric cancer, where it has donated, along with its agents, over $130 million. I always like to say that AFLAC has a deep focus to its CSR efforts. It has deep insights that keeps their efforts relevant and impactful to the business, brand, and society. And the company does that through collaboration. So Catherine's going to share the details to all of those great corporate um, insights and the way it manages itself. But first, let's start with this. Catherine, what is your professional purpose? Carol, simply put, I hope to make a difference by doing good and translating that into results that are relevant and hopefully inspiring to all of our stakeholders. And they are they are inspiring. We've met with your employees um, and it's one of the most cohesive and engaged workforces. So congratulations. But let's just step back. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and what enticed you to join AFLAC? 
Carol, I so dislike talking about myself. So very briefly, I have done this for two and a half decades, always taking the approach that I'm a business leader first and a functional leader second. I've always worked in companies that are highly regulated with an international presence and in very purpose-driven, mission-focused industries like aerospace defense, technology, and now insurance. Originally being from New Orleans, go Saints. And, <laughs> and after spending time in Texas and California, I was very interested in moving back closer to home. And so it was the geography, the brand, and the people here who are just tremendous that brought me to Aflac specifically. I, I know that just um, regarding the Saints, that we wanted to have a Saints and Patriots playoff. Um, and unfortunately, we, did, we didn't have that, but we're close. So maybe in the future. I'm shooting for a Breeze Brady Super Bowl one day. I think that would just be brilliant. I think it would with lots of bees. Um, so that's great. Um, a li- so let's look at Aflac's um, founding uh, background. It started with a cancer insurance product. And as I said, for more than 23 years, you've had a deep commitment to childhood cancer treatment and research. But before we get into the details behind the Aflac Childhood Cancer Campaign, let's take a step back. Can you share Aflac's philosophy of the role of CSR, how you describe what CSR is, and its integration into the business and the brand? For us, CSR means corporate social responsibility. And it used to be that you did the right thing because it was the right thing to do. But Carol, as you know, the world has changed. And what the data tells us is that it's not enough to just do good anymore. You have to talk about the good you're doing if you're going to recruit and retain the best talent. Absolutely. Absolutely. And make meaningful connections with your customers. And, and so, you know, I love that you talk about employees because for years I have been talking about that employees are at the center. They are the heartbeat. They are the, the energy of a company. So I'm, I'm really pleased that, that you made that comment. Um, Aflac is heralded as a good citizen by Forbes, Ethosphere, and others. Um, you've been honored, um, as a great employer, an ethical, co- company. And uh, your CEO, Dan Amos, is regularly recognized for his leadership. I'd love you to talk with our listeners about the role of the CEO and the C-suite in corporate reputation overall. And then talk about what are the key values that guide Aflac on this path? Well, it's fascinating because as a matter of fact, our CEO is the current recipient of the Lifetime Achievement Award from Corporate Responsibility Magazine. So it's definitely in our DNA. That's that's so significant. Yeah, congratulations. Well, thank you. Dan is a great leader and highly deserving of the honor. We have something called the Aflac Way, and it's a beautifully bound, small little book that you get when you first join our company. And it tells you all about the behaviors that we value. And it's all around ethics and doing the right thing. And it's very, very meaningful to us. Um, As far as the data goes, it just supports so much. And I'll give you an example. We use the Reputation Institute model to benchmark against other companies and to make decisions on where we engage in CSR efforts. And 
what that model does is identifies seven dimensions of reputation with 23 attributes behind those seven dimensions. It's weighted by industry, and in our industry, financial services and insurance, almost 50% of that model is based on citizenship, philanthropy, and workplace. So basically, those are all the attributes associated with corporate social responsibility. Reputation Institute also has 30 years of data that says for every three points you increase your pulse score, which is considered statistically significant, propensity to recommend goes up 6.5% and propensity to buy goes up 5%. Now, we've been around twice as long as Reputation Institute. So we were able to look back on sales over that period of time and basically come up with a highly proprietary system that we call return on reputation. And it's also very good in helping us to decide where, when, and how to engage. It's really all about letting the data drive the strategy, Carol. And and that's great because I think that it is only in the past three to five years that the CSR field is turning to data to drive its decision-making and its focus. And I think one of the core things that Affleck does so well is that you stay focused on the core actions that are core to your brand. Uh, your your cancer was your first product. Um, you, the community and the business. And so they're very well tied together. Let's just stop here for a second, because what are the two or three insights that you would share with your colleagues regarding not to be scared by data, but to embrace data? Absolutely. I'm a bit of a data junkie. And it it becomes very beneficial in talking with others who are data junkies. And I'll give you an example. When I brief out the board quarterly, I now go in with a graph and we started this journey about talking about our CSR efforts three years ago. So I have our pulse score laid out by quarter and then I overlay our employee engagement scores, our social media sentiment scores, our editorial media sentiment scores, our sales, allowing for the anomaly during open enrollment which is, of course, where you would see a spike, and our stock price. And while I can't prove causation, you can definitely look at these charts on a quarter-by-quarter basis and see correlation. When the reputation is up, everything is up. That, that is just, that's so smart. And how does your board respond to that highly business Um, oriented approach to CSR? What kind of response, you know, you can't tell us who, but what are some of the things they say? Well, they've been tremendously supportive. I think intuitively, business people know that if you do good, your business will do better. But to be able to prove it and quantify it through data is a very, very powerful thing. And it's resonated well with this particular group of business people. So you would, so in terms of when you meet with your colleagues, I I assume that you're being proselytizing for understand the data, embrace the data, use the data. Well, in all business, I truly believe that what gets measured gets done. And this should be no different. I think communicators and in some cases, marketeers have a really hard time quantifying 
the value they bring to the table, if you will. There are a lot of antiquated metrics that people are still trying to use that really don't map back to the business objective. I, I know that you talk about um, evolving from the four P's to the four E's. My favorite subject. <laughs> and I wonder if, yeah, so I'd love you to talk about that because I think we can use that and then we can segue into more of the depth of the CSR efforts. Absolutely, because what we've done is is changed the four P's to the four E's through CSR almost initially as as the early adopter, if you will. But when we were all in Marketing 101, some of us longer ago than others who may be listening, it was all about the four P's of marketing, price, positioning, product, and placement. With the onset of technology and the way, again, the world continues to evolve ever so quickly, if you're just worried about price, positioning, product, and placement, you're missing an opportunity to engage because the four E's really are about environment, engagement, experience, and an exchange. You want to create an environment that draws engagement, creates a great experience where it's not passive, it's very active. And then you have a true exchange, which is always better for your business. Do any of your colleagues share that philosophy or are we um, we are introducing this via this podcast? So I'll take it as an early first um, to corporate communicators and uh, purpose strategists. Well, it's, it's funny because I've given this speech in a couple of places where it's been um, either audio recorded or videotaped. And as soon as I start talking about the four E's and what that can look like, there's a hush over the room or a big audible gasp, like there's an aha moment for people that this is really what it's about. Oh, that's that's great. And I know that we were on the stage at Bright at Columbia, and I think that's the first time I heard you talk about it. And I and I could see the light bulbs actually <laughs> explode over people's heads going, oh, my God, it's absolutely that is an that's a, just a, it's an ins, it's, it's just incredible um, advancement in ter- from the four piece. So congratulations on that. Well, thank you. Let's use that as a bridge to your CSR program. And so let's talk about the Aflac Childhood Cancer Campaign specifically. I know you do things in other areas, but you've you've branded your work and you've got many elements to it. We do. And a lot of them are tied around partnerships. For example, the Macy's Holiday Docs and other fundraising pieces like that. But I think we have a couple of jewels in our crown that are that are a bit larger than than the other efforts that I'd like to talk about and focus on. And the first is our 24-year partnership with the Aflac Cancer Center in Atlanta, Georgia. Over that time, we have donated more than $131 million to the research and treatment of pediatric cancer, which is very important when you look at the fact that of all of the money the U.S. government earmarks for cancer research and treatment, less than 4% of that goes to pediatric cancer treatment and research. So it's a great way that business can step in and fill a void that government just can't absorb. So it becomes very important in that area. And then as we evolve into these four E's, the project that we've worked so closely with you on that I'm frankly 
one of the great joys of my career that I'll still be talking about in retirement is <laughs> it's to <laughs> okay. develop surrounded by a lot of ducks. Surrounded right? by a lot of, of ducks. Um, but my special Athlag duck really is special. And I hope we have a chance to talk about it a little more in detail as, as we go through the podcast, because it's a brilliant, beautiful program. Well, th- thank you. Why don't we start with, I love the story of how um, you started supporting pediatric cancer and you were visited by a fundraiser from Children's Healthcare of Atlanta. It's a great story about the prescience of Dan Amos. Oh, it is the best story in corporate America, my opinion, and it doesn't get told often enough. But uh, there was a little girl named Ainsley and she was getting treatment at at the time, what was Children's Healthcare of Atlanta? It's still called that, but it predates the Aflac Cancer Center. But she needed a life-saving procedure, and the only place she could get it was Seattle, Washington. So her mother took it upon herself to start fundraising for CHOA or Children's Healthcare of Atlanta. And she came in and she told her story to Dan Amos and her initial request was for $25,000 so that they could replace the floors in one of the wings of the hospital where children were being treated for cancer. And he decided that that just wasn't enough, that it was terrible that children had to go across the country, that families had to travel that far to get life-saving treatment for their children. So in exchange for the naming rights for the Aflac Cancer Center, he pledged a $3 million commitment, basically yes. on the spot. Ah, it's amazing. Absolutely incredible. It was, it was kind of funny in retrospect because they didn't know what to do with it exactly. <laughs> okay. but, but it was absolutely brilliant the way it turned out. And the reason I talk about Ainsley uh, was such a warm, tender place in my heart is because She's now a nurse at the Aflac Cancer Center. She, oh, oh, that's amazing. Oh, my God. That, you, you can't put that in a movie. It's great. Oh, it's, I, I have chills every time I tell the story. And she's such a beautiful young lady uh, and couldn't be more delighted to be a part of that. And so when we decided to innovate our doc into real life, which is risky because we talk about the brand, we talk about numbers. You're talking about pivoting a $20 billion asset, the voice of that to be a little softer, a little more gentle, so that it translates into this philanthropic powerhouse, which is what we've seen happen since we launched at CES in January of last year and started delivering ducks in September, which is Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. And since then, we've delivered almost 4,000 ducks. But the experience of bringing the one thing that you cannot buy to the largest consumer electronics show in the world is the most counterintuitive thing you can imagine. And we were there with, we have, as, as you know, Carol, Sproutel developed our beautiful My Special Aflac dog. And they're two very young people. Um, compared to say you and I, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Aaron and Aaron yeah. Horowitz and Hannah Chung, and they were so committed to this project. It was so beautiful to watch them. They spent eighteen months with a hundred families from the Aflac Cancer Center to find out what the needs of the children were, and that was our guiding principle. How can we help children? 
So my special Aflac doc has emoji cards that are electronic that because everyone speaks emoji, but when you're three years old and someone comes in every 15 minutes and asks you how you're feeling, it's very hard to articulate. Well, I'm upset because I'd rather be outside playing than getting chemotherapy treatment. Right. So these emoji cards allow the protocol to be a little different from the caregiver. The caregiver will come in and say, how does your duck feel today? The child will pick the emoji, touch it to the duck's chest. The duck will act out if it's angry, if it's nauseous, if it's upset. Um, And there are virtual reality and augmented reality pieces to this. There's some incredible apps that allow children to escape. It also has a port because, as you know, Carol, the most traumatic part of the treatment for a child is having their port access, but they can take their power back through medical play. And when the port is attached to the duck, the duck develops a heartbeat and it does deep breathing exercises. So it really allows the child life specialists and the oncologists and the nurses and the parents to engage in a very almost four-dimensional way, if you will, um, in the care process. Because frankly, it takes more than medicine. To help a child go through those that average thousand days of their cancer treatment. When you talk about, and we affectionately call my special Aflac duck MSAD, I, I cannot stop smiling because I, I remember when, um, you know, we were challenged by Aflac uh, to develop, to further develop the childhood cancer campaign. And, um, you know, we came up with this idea and, uh, you, you know, you didn't know if it was going to fly, pun intended. Um, <laughs> and the company, um, you know, is at the time was evolving its brand. I think that you were talking about focusing as a caring innovator. And so um, in working with your amazing team, you know, we asked what could take those brand attributes and bring them to life in a way that was respectful of your values that could um, engage and embed your iconic mascot in a new way, you know, having a social purpose. And we were, you know, we were excited, but we were also a little bit scared um, because this was pushing the envelope. And I remember when we presented to Dan and um, he was very quiet and, oh, my God, as, as a firm, you know, you're sitting there and you've got a, a kind of a, a, a lump in the pit of your stomach. He doesn't like it, you're thinking. And um, after, you know, he's very considered. And then he got up and he walked around the room and we're on the edge of our seats, but we're not, you know, we're not trying to show any emotion. And he turns around and he says, this is one of the best ideas I've ever heard. And and from there, the, you know, like, whoa, you know, we could like cheer because, you know, we had to be very respectful. Um, but the company has just been extraordinary in terms of its commitment. And, and I just want to make sure our listeners know this, that Aflac not only had the patience and the funds to invest in the development and the trust um, in Sproutel, because Aaron Harwitz and Hannah Chung, as is, is, um, Catherine said, they're young, um, but they had uh, created another product called Jerry the Bear that was for kids with juvenile diabetes. And so they could, um, you know, there was this investment. Um, in terms of trusting them. And then there was this patience because it took over a year 
to, you know, again, uh, the research uh, at CHOA, um, the investment in the manufacturing was actually over a year, was 18 months. And then also your trust to go to CES because we didn't know the, the kind of response. But the company is donating him to any child newly diagnosed with pediatric cancer over the age of three in the United States. Um, and um, how long is that commitment, Catherine? It's not just one year. It's not. As you know, we've invested millions in the program. We are dedicated. We are committed. As a matter of fact, we're going to be rolling it out in Japan um, beginning, we had said 2021, but I think we may be able to escalate that and speed up the timeline a bit and get it into the hands of Japanese children in 2020. Oh, that's so exciting. And, and I think for our listeners, you need, can you just share why you have your business in Japan? Because a large part of your business is there. It's very successful. It, it is. We actually insure one in every four households in Japan. It is about 75% of our business. You can buy us at the post office in Japan. So distribution is totally different. Uh, but we are very well loved and very well respected. We also have a version of the duck there, but it's a little bit different and it presents differently than the duck uh, we have in the U.S. What can I tell you about Japan? Um, We actually, it's a funny story. As you know, we were started by three brothers and they watched their father pass away from cancer and they saw the financial toll that it took on their mother to raise three boys without the traditional breadwinner at the home, thinking back to this date and time. Um, Our CEO is actually the son of one of those boys. But when the three brothers grew up, they created a completely different class of insurance called supplemental insurance. And it was designed to pay cash directly to the policyholder, never been done before. So one of the brothers decided to go to the World's Fair in Japan and noticed that everyone was walking around with surgical masks on and learned that that was because they were so polite, they didn't want to give any bit of a cold to anyone else. And he thought that a culture that is that that risk-averse would buy insurance. And it took him... I want to say four years to be able to get a license in Japan to sell cancer products in Japan. And they gave him a a monopoly of seven or eight years because the Japanese government didn't think it was going to work. And here we are 40 plus years later, uh, one of the best known, most beloved brands and our philanthropy work there revolves around something called the Aflac Parents Houses, which provide a place for siblings and families to stay while a child is being treated in a nearby hospital. That's brilliant. And it's culturally correct and adapted. So um, again, you know, Aflac is astute for looking for patterns and the insights um, in that journey creates an amazing business. Um, I would be remiss to not ask you about the Aflac duck. Um, in the United States, he has 93, 94% recognition. And it's higher in Japan, actually. Oh, what's, oh, is it 100%? It's not 100%, but it is in the upper 90s, yes. Wow. And, and so what's it like having a real living icon that, that people love to joke about? And, of course, I have to say Aflac. Um, and I'm sure people ask you that all the time. I don't know. 
would you give us your Aflac? I've I've actually never been asked to do it. Um, that's that's really no. funny. I've had a lot of people do it toward me, um, but I guess it would have to be the cadence of three, right? Aflac, Aflac, Aflac. How's <laughs> okay, that? Heard it here, folks. The first time Catherine <laughs> Blades has, has ever done that. That's terrific. Thank you. Thank you for being so so kind to, to do that. But tell us a little bit about you. Have this amazing icon. Um, and mascot, and he's embedded on Madison Avenue. Um, he's been in. He voted into the Hall of Fame of mascots. And so, what's that like as as a you know part of your brand? Well, it's so funny because all audiences really love him. And I'll, I'll single out the employees. He was actually born or hatched, if you will, on January first of two thousand. And the reason why, again, our CEO, Dan Amos, second generation, his father was one of the three founders, and he's been our CEO for 29 years now, but a great marketeer, brilliant marketing mind. Mm, Absolutely. So he saw that Y2K was coming, and if you remember, it was going to be Armageddon and all the computers. Oh, I remember. I put in a generator. Right. (laughs) Everything was going to stop. Uh, You wouldn't be able to do any kind of banking. The television systems would go down because the satellites would go down. and and No ATMs, get no money. Exactly. Exactly. So TV time was really, really cheap on January 1st of 2000. He bought as much of it as he could and ran the first Aflac commercials. And they were designed to create awareness. He wanted people to be be able to say the name Aflac. Um, and in the process, just created this pop culture icon. But the employee engagement with it is hysterical because we treat him like an employee. Um, we have a tenure book that we celebrate tenure milestones. And everyone who tenures that year has their photograph in the tenure book. And we have a whole employee appreciation week full of activities culminating in a pep rally where we give away trips. And it's it's really like a big giant game show. But all week long, we demonstrate appreciation <laughs> to our employees. Yeah. Well, in 2015, the duck tenured 15 years. So there's his picture right along with everybody else. And of course, he turns 20 next year. So we're planning some exciting things um, around that. We can't. We can't wait. And um, now, now his, I don't know if my special Aflac duck is his son, his cousin. Well, he's certainly part of his fl- his flock. He's um, a buddy. He's a buddy. His buddy, absolutely. But I know that you have been asked, um, and I have to, I'm going to embarrass you a bit, because my special Aflac duck, I mean, at his very heart, is it's he needs to be in the arms of children. And that is the goal. And to help them with their emotional support in their, their thousand days of average journey. But you've also won some amazing awards. Um, you know, technology for a better world, best of um, at CES, best unexpected product. Um, you have won, I love this, People's Choice at South by Southwest, as well as Best in Robotics. Um, Time Magazine, Best Invention um, of 2018 with a group of an amazing different inventions and and lots of, you know, uh, I think Best of Show for Sabres and Silver Anvils and PR Week. So um, I bet you're blushing a little bit from me saying that. Well, it's remarkable how it's taken off. And I give credit to my team and, and our partners because we have not spent one dime advertising this. 
We yeah. Well, we, we say word of quack. Yeah, that, word, that's how it's getting of quack, But you know, it's been a true grassroots public relations effort. And we talked about data and impact earlier. I, I'll share with you our latest stat that we did share at the Columbia Bright Conference, but we haven't talked about it much since. Fifteen uh, percent of people in the United States have heard of my special Aflac dog. That's crazy without advertising. Crazy. Well, and only a yes. year. Less than yes. A year. And uh, of those 15 percent, 100 percent of those 15 percent are more likely to buy an Aflac product because of my special Aflac duck. So doing good really matters in the market. And I'm I'm glad that you said matters because Keith Weed from Unilever, Global CMO, you know, he said we it's time we can't market at people. We have to matter to them. And I think that M said from the moment, you know, he was birthed and developed and seeing him in the arms of children. Um, you do these fabulous duck deliveries at, at children's hospitals around the country. And to see these kids, they're really sick. And then to see their eyes brighten up and their smiles. And then they just, you know, they embrace these little ducks. It's it's just heart melting. So, con- so congratulations. I also heard through the grapevine that he's going to be speaking at the Health Lions at Cannes in June. He is. And if you go to their website, Website. There's his profile photo, his headshot. Well, actually, it's his whole body shot because he's kind of tiny. But yes, we're <laughs> very excited uh, to really have him be there because it is he, he's everything that Ken represents. He's he's great technology. He's great um in terms of connection, in terms of marketing, in terms of PR, but more importantly, in terms of making a positive impact in the lives of children, which is his whole purpose. And, and I know that you did, well, one, we know that his title is Chief Comforting Officer. <laughs> so <laughs> so kudos to you for coming up with that. Um, but I also know you did some some medical research with CHOA or- originally. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because you've gotten some initial um, good um, impact responses. Oh, we have. And we plan to do much more in terms of research. We're partnering with the Children's Oncology Group and Children's Miracle Network to get the doc into hospitals uh, because there is a protocol that goes with him. So the hospital has to sign up for him because this is not a toy. And we don't want this to be something that they play with for a month and then put on a shelf. This is to take them through their entire cancer journey. And I'd love to ask our listeners that um, if you have a relationship with a children's hospital or a hospital in your area where they have a pediatric oncology unit, um, if you could just let them know that they can go to the Aflac Childhood Cancer Campaign website um, and they can, all the information's there, you know, how to order the ducks. And so we're just, again, this is, we're engaging in our word of quack um, to make sure that, that uh, more and more children um, have him as a comforting companion. Um, I would be remiss without asking you about your philosophy on storytelling. You do an amazing job, not with pounding your chest, but you use many, many different avenues, many different storytellers. And what um, what I find in the field of uh, social purpose is there's so much great work out there, but the stories never get heard. And so what sort of insights could you share with our listeners? 
Well, it's a team sport, and we joke we're Southern. We, we're, we're storytellers by birth, uh, and and we love that. But it it all comes down to relationships and making that human connection, and talking about what's relevant. And I can think of nothing more relevant than helping children with cancer. Ah, very well stated. Um, I also also like to ask my guests, who else do you admire? Um, It doesn't have to be in your industry for great CSR or social purpose work and why. Well, you mentioned one, Unilever uh, has always done a phenomenal job, in my opinion, as has P&G in terms of social issues and really putting a stake in the ground and doing beautiful work around it in a way that doesn't exploit, uh, but also enlightens and inspires. Oh, nicely said. That's that's why I love the always work. I mean, like a girl, you know, who would think um, I just presented last night to the PR museum um, and a lot of students and uh, showed like, you know, of course, I showed MSAT, but I showed like a girl always and Starbucks and like a girl is so insightful. Um, as is your finding that emotional support for children with cancer along their journey, that children need more than medicine is insightful. So there's so many opportunities today for companies to understand their brand values, their company values, what are the needs of their core stakeholders, and then finding that core insight. You know, as in Dove, you know, only 4% of women worldwide feel beautiful, and they created the campaign for real beauty. So again, insights, and that's one of, again, the core tenants of Aflac, whether it's insights about the brand, insights about uh, children that you're just brilliant at. Um, As we close, and I'm so sad we have to close, but I always like to ask, what are your top three insights for peers on their journey to identify um, or activate their social purpose or their CSR in their organizations? Oh, great question. Uh, First and foremost, be authentic. We have been approached by a number of people saying that the communication aspects of My Special Aflac Duck would be great for children with autism, and it would be, uh, but it's not designed for that, and we don't sell policies around that. I would love to see someone else who is in that space, regardless of industry catering to that space, come up with something like My Special Aflac Duck and be inspired to do so because we've done it with children with cancer, but in a way that's authentic to their own brands. That would be perfect. So be authentic. Um, Stay focused. It's easy to let the urgent overcome the important. You mentioned patience. Um, I call it being disciplined as well. Um, But stay focused and then measure, 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 because it's so easy to make tweaks along the way if you're paying attention and you're not being tone deaf and measurement helps that. Oh, that's great. Those are really, really good insights. Um, do you have any resources, books, blogs, mentors that you would um, say, you know, you really got to listen to this or read this to for our listeners? What's interesting, recently, as we are pivoting more into the ESG space, which CSR is a part of, I've had the opportunity 
to just reach out to people that are doing this very, very well. And they're very busy people, but respectfully asking them, please, may I just have 30 minutes of your time? I just want to listen to you. And that peer-to-peer networking and the peer-to-peer dialogue and ability to ask questions from those who have been there and done that is invaluable. So in my mind, relationships are the best way to go. Great. And you know what I'd love to kind of, if you have the time, um, I'm on the advisory board of Sustainable Brands, and they are one of the leading organizations in the world that truly showcase how brands are embedding um, societal, environmental, and governance issues into their strategy as well as execution. It's in June this year. It's in Detroit. And um, actually, for our listeners, if you send me an email, um, I can send you a coupon for 20% off of the um, regular registration fee um, if you do that in the next you know, couple weeks or so. And Catherine, I would love to have you there. Um, hopefully, that you, know, you might have a day or two in your schedule because that's a great place to go. Um, we'll also ask Catherine to send us um, some other um, resources that she admires and uses, and we'll put those in our show notes. So as we draw to a close, and I'm kind of sad about it because I would love to talk to Catherine for hours, but I know she's got lots of other things to do. Um, What haven't we asked you that you'd like to add? Uh, I think that's a great question. Um, Find good partners, partners who share your vision and your values and your mission. And that will make so much take care of itself. Uh, That's great. And it's a great way to end. So today, listeners and my friends, you have heard about a social robot that's taken the country and now the world by quack. Um, It's he's a first. You've heard about the four E's. And I know that Catherine's going to be talking a lot more about engagement and authentic engagement. And I think I think it's a great evolution from the four P's. And you've also heard Catherine Blades, for the first time, give her rendition of the Aflac Duck. So I want to thank you for being a marvelous guest. And I will end the show in asking our listeners, what is your purpose? Take three, my special Aflac Duck. So quacky. Please tell us how you're feeling today. Talk to me. Some more. Okay, now we're going to add some emojis. The first is not feeling well. The next is going to be calm. Next is going to be silly. Very silly. 
very sillier. And now let's try the rocket ship. Okay, what do you think? <laughs>